thank you, Lord. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of all honor, of all glory and all praise. And it is our heart, God, to give you that in this room today. It's our desire to, to give you that in, in our hearts and our minds, that that which we take with us, at, that as we go, our aim would be to give you the worship, the honor and glory that you deserve. So be exalted in this place. We love you because you have first loved us. You have drawn us to yourself with cords of loving kindness. May we be a people that receive your mercy, that lean into your grace, and that are changed in your presence. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, good morning and welcome to church. So glad that each of you are here today. This is an exciting Sunday that we've been looking forward to for the last couple of months where we have decided uh, to respond to the word of the Lord over our church by gathering together uh, under one roof at one time as one church family uh, to sing out and worship with one voice as we just did in response to the word of the Lord. Every year we love to lean into God and say, God, what are you speaking? Or are you leading us as a people? Is there, is there a word or a theme that uh, you would want to highlight for us to kind of press into? And the word for us this year as a, as a church and as a movement of churches is this idea of being one family together on mission. And so the, what, part of the response of that was, what, what if we took a season in the life of our church and said, as, as one family, we're going to gather together under one roof uh, to worship him with one voice and with one heart respond to what it is that he's speaking uh, as, as he leads us and as he stirs us and as he gives us his marching orders, so to speak, uh, to go out into the world and into the places where we live and work and go to school. And so uh, we are excited and, and full of anticipation, really, uh, of all that we believe God wants to do as we respond to this word that he's initiated with us. So thanks for being here today. Uh, thanks for worshiping. We had a wonderful time at 9 a.m., uh, people gathering in here to just intercede and, uh, and worship the Lord together. And uh, we're going to be doing that each and every week at 9 o'clock as well. And, uh, and it's been a, an exciting time already leading up to this moment. We feel as though God's really stirring some new things. And I want to share maybe something you've heard already, but just share a little bit from my perspective, uh, some of the things that God is stirring up. A couple of weeks ago, we had a live recording of a worship album by Antioch Phoenix. And uh, it was an exciting night. A few hundred people were here to help with that live recording. I say help. I don't know. Maybe we were a hindrance. My voice might have been a little hindrance. But we were all singing for this live recording. And, uh, and coming into the evening, uh, there there, there was a, a, a desire to, to raise just over $5,000 just to help with the production of, of, this, uh, of this music. And the team had wor been working diligently and doing some fundraisers and things. And they had raised uh, almost half of that uh, and were needing about $3,000 or so. And there's about 300 people there. So Josiah at the beginning of the evening said, hey, this is what we're doing. We're fundraising for this. As God has led us to, to do this, we're believing for him to bring in the money. If everybody here gave $10, we'd be set. 
yet. And so he kind of gave that vision. We had the worship night at the end of the night, uh, about $1,500 to come in. There's about $1,500 left. And they gave us that update and said, say, hey, thank you so much. We're getting there if anybody else wants to give. Well, about five minutes later, they get back up on the mic and say, actually, we, it, the money has kept coming in. There's only $250 left. And so God is bringing in the money. And before he could finish the announcement, the guys in the back were saying, actually, it's all done. All the money came in. And so all those money was, was raised for the worship album. It was just really exciting. If you were in the room, it was just one of those things like, oh, wait, okay, half of it's come in like five minutes later. Oh, 15, oh, we only need, oh, it's it. And it was just like this exciting moment of like, wow, it's, it's, uh, God is, is stirring something up. And it was, uh, it felt significant because the desire and, and the word of the Lord of why they are even recording this album was that uh, they, they felt charged by God to, to capture the anthems uh, that we have as a people. The things that, that the cries of our heart and that the, what's God been doing in, in this house and, and can we put those, those, those thoughts and ideas and those moments of worship and praise into music and, and language and to give glory to God. And so we're, we're so excited about how God just rallied the people uh, in, in that moment. Well, two days later on Sunday... Uh, you guys, uh, many of you I know were here, but uh, we were in preparation for today and this upcoming season of having one service. We're, we're needing to, to really increase our, our kids' ministry volunteers. And if you have been around the church or, or have grown up in church, it's kind of a, an ongoing uh, thing in, in church. You know, two or three times a year, you're going to hear somebody get up and say, hey, we need more kids' ministry volunteers. Who's going to sign up? And it's like the perpetual thing that the church is, is needing, right? Uh, and I, I, we were coming into that Sunday, and uh, we had had about 70 volunteers that had been helping. It was already, we were kind of, it was a little bit of a strain. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't have enough, even for the two services. And you would think, oh, one service, it's less. But actually, at least that's what I thought. They were like, no, one service, it's more because a lot of the people that are serving do it every week. And when we go to one service, uh, they can't come to one and attend one. And so uh, not only were we already short, but now we're going to need even more so that people uh, would only have to serve once every month. And so uh, with that, we had about 70 people volunteering and we needed uh, 200. They said, really, you think we can do it with 200 volunteers? 220 would be ideal, but we think we could pull it off with 200. We're like, oh, clearly, that's, that's a lot of people. I mean, we had 70 and we're trying to get to 200. So worked on it a few weeks. We had 50 people sign up. And so we, we, needed, uh, we needed about 80 more people uh, two weeks ago coming to be prepared and trained for uh, this month, beginning this Sunday. And so we shared a, another announcement. Joy got up here and just shared the need. And uh, it was so in incredible uh, to hear even our kids pastors who were back there because you could, you know, scan the QR code, do it right now. And so the, it just started coming in. She's like, in the first service, it was like literally like ding, 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 ding. And there was like over 40 that came in in the first service. And then by the time the second service was over and people were leaving, 100 people that morning, uh, had, we, only, we, we only needed uh, 80 more. 100 people had signed up to serve in kids ministry that morning alone. So not only did we get to the 200, but we got to the 220 that they said would actually be ideal. And it is, it's... It was really exciting. Uh, here, here's how this thing works in church. I mean, the, I, I actually was having a, a vivid memory of a time we were actually in the old sanctuary and we were doing this eager to serve campaign. And uh, I, I love the, uh, it's one of my favorite passages of scripture in the Old Testament is out of Exodus 36. 
and it's this story of the people of God giving towards the, the, the building of the tabernacle, uh, a place where the, they would host the presence of God and they would come and worship. And so they were giving towards it. But all the people working on the tabernacle eventually came to Moses, uh, the leader of the people, and said, hey, can you tell them not to give anymore? We have enough. And, and so that, that story ends with, with saying this. So the people were restrained from giving anymore towards the temple because they already had more than enough to finish the work. And I, so I remember making this joke about kids ministry, like, wouldn't it be cool? That's, that's already like a life verse for me. Like, God, I want to have to be restrained from giving. I want us as a church to be a people that are so generous in the way that we live our lives that, that God has to restrain us. And I said, what if it went all the way to kids ministry where it was like, hey, we're get, trying to get kids ministry volunteers again. Um, but actually we came to a season in the life of our church where it was like, oh, you want to volunteer? Forget, I'm so sorry. We do have a waiting list. And so if, you're, if you wanna serve in kids, you can, you can get on the waiting list. And I can now actually say, there's a waiting list like to get on kids, kids ministry volunteer. Like you are restrained, you know? It, actually, if you have a heart for it, I'm sure we can fix you, fit you in. But, but, uh, but, but really we, we, we're, we're there. So just, it feels, uh, those things kind of feel simple or what, but it's like, it, it feels to me like there's a stirring. And I've talked to other staff members and other ones of you who are just excited about some of what God is doing. There's been a lot of anticipation around this morning. And uh, while it's just like, okay, well, we just have one service instead of two, I, I think there's something that God is wanting to do in us in this season. And so I want us to be ready to, to receive. Uh, God, what are you wanting to do? How are you wanting to, to lead us in this season? I was asked uh, recently, uh, what, what's the thing you've been praying for the church? You want to pray, pray with you. And, you know, there's different things that you, you pray in your life. And there's different, okay, I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to sit down and pray for this person or for this thing or this ministry. But uh, what I found myself saying is the thing that seems to regularly come up, not just in a prayer time, but just I find myself praying. And, and that is in this last season specifically, particularly since maybe somewhere in the middle of the fall, I, I've been praying for just a, a, an outpouring of, of God's presence, his presence with us, that we would be aware of his presence, that we would, uh, that there, and, and that would result in, in people that are hungry being drawn to, to this place, that there would be a hunger level for, for the presence of God, that we want to be a people who, are, who, um, who encounter God, who are, who are changed in his presence and who long for more, that, that there would be such a, an awareness of God's presence in this place and what he's doing, uh, that people that, that are hungry, maybe that have known the Lord, but are hungry for more, or maybe who, who don't know Jesus, but are saying there's got to be more in this life, uh, that that hunger would lead them to this place. And, and, and I know it could be another place and that's fine, but that there would be such a saturation of the presence of God in this place that the hungry know that we can be fed here. Here, that we can encounter more of God here. It actually made me think of, um, I started, when that person asked me that and I shared that, it made me start thinking about Acts 11, which is where uh, we get our name as a church, where it's talking about the church at Antioch. And one of the things it says there is that, that the hand of God was upon them and, and, and God was doing some, some new works in, in, that, that they hadn't seen before in the church, so much so that the, the main church in Jerusalem said, we're gonna send Barnabas out out there to make sure this is all going okay. And Barnabas gets there and he said, 
uh, that he saw the grace of God abounding in their midst. He saw the grace of God at, at work and he encouraged them and implored them to, to press on. And there was so much that God was doing that he went and got Paul and Paul and Barnabas started coming and being a part of this church and ended up getting sent out to plant churches from that church. And so I think that's the, that's the prayer. God, would your hand be upon us? Would the, would the presence of God be, be so tangible in this place that, that somebody would show up and say, man, the grace of God is upon these people because we need it. We wanna be a people that lean in to that grace. And, and, and with that, I, I want us to turn in our Bible, if you have it with you, to 2 Timothy chapter two. If you don't, the words will be up here on the screen in just a moment. Uh, but this passage of scripture, as we're, as we're talking about just the, the stirrings of God, and what he's doing in our midst, and how he's building anticipation and faith. Uh, this passage of scripture is one that God highlighted back in the fall as we were looking ahead towards this year. And again, we were in that season of just saying, God, what are, what are you doing? God, what are the things that are, that are in your heart for us? How can we come into greater alignment? What are you wanting to do in us in a people that will result in, in glory uh, to you? And, and God not only highlighted 2 Timothy 2, but just began to stir us uh, with, a, with an excitement um, in this verse, in this passage of scripture. So I wanna read just the first four verses there, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses one through four. It says this, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer." I wanna begin as we dive into this short passage of scripture by actually looking at verse two. Verse two really is the, the crux of, of what's going on and, uh, and then we'll have a greater understanding of why it, the, uh, it's saying the things around this verse. In verse two, it, it's simply talking about the, the passing on of the gospel. It's specifically talking about disciple making. And, and it's really cool here, actually, just in verse two, you have uh, four generations of disciple making. I use the word generation because when you think about the making of disciples, uh, part of the, the, the genius of it, it's not necessarily the way we would have done it, but part of the, the, the genius of uh, Jesus making disciples is the, the multiplicative way that it begins to impact the world more so than the big crowds or the stadiums. In fact, though Jesus would sometimes do that, uh, where did he spend the most of his time? Often he would turn away the crowds and he would invest in the 12, right? And then he would, he would give to the 12 everything that he had and they would walk with him and they would be taught by him. They, they would see him live his life and they would go and do the same. They were disciples. They, they, they sat under him to, to, so that they could learn to do as he did. And, and so... This, is, this was the, the, the way of Jesus. Here we have Paul saying, hey, everything I've taught you. So Paul in this little sentence is the first generation. So everything I've taught you, Timothy, everything I've given away to you, I want you to go uh, give away to other reliable people. So then there's that third generation already is that these other reliable people. And the, the reason the, or the way that you measure their reliability 
is that they will go and then give it away to others. So that's the fourth generation in, in one little sentence here in the life of one individual. And Paul is saying, hey, okay, I, Timothy is only one of the guys, right, that he invested in. And so Timothy, if you'll go and you'll find a group of people that, that you can invest in and, and you're gonna make sure that the people you invest in are gonna be the type of people that are gonna own it and invest in others, then that's gonna see the, the gospel begin to transform society really quickly as you have a bunch of people who uh, actually hearkening back to Acts 11 where, where the, the disciples were first called Christians, which was simply little Christs. So you have a bunch of little Jesuses running around, like people that look like and talk like and act like Jesus. And so this, this was the thing that, that Paul the guy who had planted so many churches and uh, raising up people to help lead these churches was, was sharing uh, with one of the guys he was discipling in Timothy, who this letter was written to. And so uh, around this, you, you have a, a couple of passages of scripture, but you, you have it around this, this uh, pursuit, this calling, not only of Timothy, but of the believer, uh, of, the, of the Christian who would see their life multiplied. Who, who would be one of those who is a, a, a reliable one who has received the gospel message and doesn't just hold it in, doesn't just like keep it to themselves or, or live like, okay, now a nice, comfortable life of like, now I've got the joy of it. But it's like, no, it is my aim and my desire to give that away. It is my intention. I will live with intentionality in giving that away. That's the call of the believer. And so, so from that place, what we've quickly realized is that's not easy. That, that's not easy. That's not, that's not comfortable. There's got to be intentionality around it. There, there's, going to be, uh, there's going to be people that, uh, that, that, that uh, reject you, that reject the message that you carry. There, there are going to be some people that accept it and then reject it, which is really painful as well. In fact, that's how this, uh, this passage of Scripture begins. It says, you then, my son, be strong. So what, what happened to make it start like that? Well, in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, Paul is actually being very vulnerable. And he's saying, like, it, it's, it's, been, it's been tough. Like, there, there's been disloyalty. There's been people that were walking with us that have, that have turned from the faith. In, in fact, he, he says in verse 15 there that everyone in Asia has deserted me, including a, a couple of specific guys that he mentions by name. And I, it's like, oh, that's a, I don't know how many people that, but that's, that's disheartening, right? Like everyone has left me. And, and he mentions these two guys by name. I imagine Timothy being like, no. Not Bob, you know, not George. They're, they're much harder to say than that. But like, but not George, not Bob. Like it couldn't, it couldn't, no, say it's not so, right? And it's, but, it, but it's painful. It's like, oh, it, they're, they're, cause you're giving your life away. You're saying, hey, entrust to these people. You're giving yourself away. You're, you're reproducing the life of God in you and giving it away to another. And, and it can be difficult. It, there, there can be things that happen along the way that are disheartening. And so Paul is saying, you then, my son, be strong. Be strong. It's almost like, hey, have the fear of the Lord. Even these guys, they've turned away from the faith. We, we can't assume that in our own strength and our own zeal that we're gonna make it, be, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's an instructive word and it's hopefully an encouraging word to you. 
You don't have to be strong in yourself. You don't have to figure out how do I keep going even when it's really tough. What Paul is saying is like, man, don't, don't think that you can make it. Don't assume that in your own strength or in your own wisdom or your own ability that you're going to make it through. The enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He is coming against specifically those who are out to make disciples, to, to give it away, to not keep it to themselves. And so there is a difficulty there. And so he's straining, uh, he, he's, he's straining in it with his words towards Timothy to say, lean into the grace of Jesus. Don't lean into your own strength. Don't lean into your own abilities and like, okay, we got this, dig deeper, but lean into, learn to lean into the grace of God. I, I think it's interesting, again, going back to Acts 11, that that's the way that Barnabas put it. When he came and he, he, what he said is the grace of God is strong among them. They're, they're strong in the grace of God. And so I think there's a question there for us. What does it look like for me to be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus? I'm not sure that's a phrase that we think about very often because we think about grace just being something that we just receive from him and, and, and that is what it is. But what does it look like to, to maybe gain strength, to be strong in the grace of God? And it's not only a grace that we have received uh, uh, something that he's given us that we didn't deserve, but grace is also something that empowers us. We move forward. We, we go forward in the mission of God, empowered by grace. And so it's not in our strength, it's by his grace. The, the, it's it's in, in our weakness, he is strong. His grace is sufficient for us. Paul says, I worked harder than everybody, but it wasn't me, it was his grace working in me. And so there's something to learn there to be a people that are zealous for the things of God, that are missional in our mindset, and yet are walking in the peace, the shalom of his grace empowered by, by his grace. And so it, we, we see that there's a need for that in the missional calling of God, the making of disciples. You know, all of last month, we, we spent talking about the, the family of God. As we think about this, this word that we have, one family together on mission, this month we're really making a transition to the missional aspect. I say transition, but really it's, it, there's a flow. We, we are a family that does mission together. We, we, without the, the missional aspect of who God's called us to be, it, it, it significantly weakens the family aspect because that's why we're here. It's, it's why we've gathered to worship him, but then uh, to be sent ones, that, that we're sent into this world, that we are witnesses. Uh, you know, any number of, of uh, words that you could use from the biblical language of who we're called to be in the world. And, and so there's this, this missional aspect to it. And, and so we're beginning here understanding that the missional aspect of walking with God will mean that there is difficulty, will, will mean that there is a need to lean into grace and for, for Timothy to be reminded, be strong in the grace of God. And, and, and really, it's, it's bookended in verse, the beginning of verse three, it begins with join me in suffering. 
Join me in suffering. So again, there, there's an element here where we understand that to move forward in the, in the mission of God is not easy, that there is suffering. And, and Jesus tells us things like that in his own life and ministry, like, hey, if they persecuted me, you better believe that there's going to be persecution coming at you, that this is just a, a reality if you are living a missional life uh, in, in Christ. And so... Um, Paul is giving us this understanding uh, that's, that's kind of bookending the, the mission that we're all called to, and that is to make disciples. That is to receive the message of Jesus and give the message of Jesus away to those around us, to be ambassadors of reconciliation. And so this is the, the call that, that we all have. And, and one of the things that was, uh, uh, that was really stirring us was, was the language that we see in, in the next uh, verse, or there in the, the rest of verse three and on into verse four. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Join me in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So we have this, uh, this soldier imagery, this, uh, this kind of army and military imagery and, uh, and this army uh, this uh, picture of, of of battle and being in a in a battle and there, there's difficulty there's suffering there join me in suffering like a good soldier a soldier doesn't have everything that they need they're not uh, in in a wartime that you know they're getting a meal when they can their sleeping conditions are, are nowhere close to ideal they're marching long distances and so there there's a level of suffering when you're not living for yourself but you're living for the king do you know that you've been enlisted, you know, that there, there is one that has enlisted you. And, and as I think about a soldier being in an army, uh, I, I, you know, in the verse here that we'll get into in just a moment uh, speaks of pleasing the commanding officer. Some versions say pleasing the one who enlisted you. And, and I, I, actually, I didn't think about it till we were worshiping here this morning, but, but uh, the, the idea of being under the, in the king's army, you know, that we're a part of the, the royal army, the army of, of his majesty. And so there's a place where it is the, it is the, it is the king that has enlisted us. And it is the king is the one that we serve. And so there's this picture of, of being a, a soldier. And, and so we're going we're gonna to think on and kind of walk with, run with that, that kind of imagery this morning. I, I think for me... The place, there's a place of engagement that, that God is inviting us into. And I was thinking back in my own journey of, of stepping into that place in a greater level. And I was thinking of a time um, when I was living in Boston. I, I just moved there. Um, it was in the, the, the winter, January of 2002. And I'd moved to, to Boston, Massachusetts uh, after having grown up in a farming community of 5,000 people on the Gulf Coast of Texas. So it was a little bit of a shocker in many, in many ways, uh, but I moved there to go to, to go to seminary. And as I got there, um, there were a lot of things that God began teaching me. There was a lot of struggle that I was having and I wasn't really relating well with, the, with people around me. Uh, I, I moved there in January. It was bitter 
cold, and, and that was challenging. And uh, I, 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 was, I was struggling with the mix of academics and my faith and, and how that worked itself out. I was, I was lonely, uh, and uh, I found myself not just having my regular times with the Lord in the morning that were kind of part of the, the routine and rhythm and discipline, but I find myself coming home after a, a class and just falling on my face and crying out to God, God, I need you. God, there's, there's got to be there's got to be more. I, I want more of you. I want to I run with you. And it was in that same season that uh, I ended up, uh, for the first time, uh, going to a, a, an Antioch church that it was actually the uh, first stateside church that they had planted. It was up in Boston, Massachusetts. And, uh, and I had a, a couple of people that were at the time acquaintances uh, that I knew. One now is Praise God, my wife. Um, but uh, I knew a couple of, had a couple of acquaintances there, and so I went to check it out, and God began to meet with me there. And, and uh, I was experiencing every week in, um, in worship the presence of God, and, and uh, worship, so you got a picture with me, like an old sunken gymnasium where you walk down into it. It's got bars on the windows. I mean, it is, it's, it's been there a long time. Uh, we've got about 60 people in the room on some folding chairs and a, a band that every other week, every few weeks has to like stop in the middle of a song and say, hey guys, sorry, we're gonna have to start that one over. That was bad. You know, it was like not, nothing polished about this. Um, and, and yet the, the, the presence of God was, so tangible. It was an answer to my prayer of God, there's got to be more. God, what are you doing? God, draw me into yourself. And, uh, and so I would, you know, I had learned to play the guitar a little bit. So I'd go take all their sheet music and take it back to my dorm and try to replicate that. I was starting to learn, oh, the presence of God is not just you know, like in a place, but I, I want to walk with him. I want to walk in his presence. Uh, basically, every time that, that they would do something as a church, I was there, even though I was living 45 minutes away with no traffic, and uh, I, w- I was there. And I remember one Sunday night, um, we were doing something called prayer walking. I had never really heard of that. I mean, I'm sure I, had, I'm sure I had walked and prayed at the same time before, but this was like this was like a thing that they were they were going to do. Like we're gonna we're gonna walk. We'll get into small groups and we're gonna walk around different places in our neighborhood and different things around the church. And we're just gonna pray out loud as we walk with this group. Just think, like, God, we pray over this home that you would bless this home. And as we walk down the street, uh, whatever is coming to your mind, would it be like a the street become like a River of living water, the people that stuck, you know, you're just kind of praying out over, over the neighborhood with, with a couple of other friends. And uh, me and the, the two or three guys that I was walking with, we ended up on Boston College campus, which was just down the road. And, uh, and we began just praying for, okay, this is a freshman dorm. So we're praying over the freshmen living in this dorm. They have an encounter with God. We end up in this kind of square area in the middle of campus. And we're just praying there for conversations and for God to raise up people that would uh, lead others in conversations about Jesus and different things. And uh, as actually, as I was recalling this story, uh, this was when I had first moved to Boston. And here, 10 years after that, we actually had uh, three Boston College graduates come and plant this church with us. So we're sowing seeds early into that. Uh, and for me, I was just getting stirred. We were praying out loud and, you know, other guys would be praying. I'm like, yes, that's so good. And, and a part of the prayer walking was also just if God was leading us to pray over anybody that we saw. And so I, I, the, I felt impressed to pray over this group of people. Just as I can't remember about what, but a specific thing. I went up to them and said, hey, we're out praying. And I prayed for these guys about something, did that with a couple of groups of people. And I was like, 
like, this is amazing, like walking with God in this way. And I, I knew that God spoke and I, I knew that he led us in things, but this was just like moment by moment, like, God, what are you speaking? And we're praying it out. And then one of the guys with us, he was a little bit older than me. He'd been a missionary for a couple of years and walking with God. And uh, he's, he's, we, we had sat down at a table at this point and we're just continuing to pray. And he said, you know, I, I feel like God just gave me a, a picture, just kind of in my mind's eye, you know, this picture of a, a, of a, of a girl. And, and he described her, kind of what she was wearing. And, uh, and it was like, okay, well, that's, that's great. We pray for her, whoever she might be. And, uh, and so as we're, as we're doing that, that literally just a couple of minutes later, this girl, just as he described, comes walking around the corner of this building. And my jaw hits the floor. I'm like, I, you know, I, I, I just I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And, and when he was telling us about her, he said, I just feel like she needs to know that Jesus loves her. I just really feel like God's given this picture and this girl needs to know that she is loved by Jesus. And I was like, oh, great. Well, let's pray. That, but then we see her and I'm like, oh my goodness, this cannot be happening. And, and so I'm like, you, you got to get in there. Now, I didn't volunteer to go with them. I was like, you got to get in there right now. We'll, we'll be out here and praying for you. You got, because they had rounded the corner and they went into a cafeteria and there was about 10 girls. So it was a little intimidating. Um, and so he goes in, we're praying. You know, we're more of the air support, not the ground support. So we were... <laughs> We're praying from outside the building. He comes out about five minutes later and he's like, guys, I'm so sorry. I chickened out. I just felt, I felt like a little bit of a creeper or like I didn't know how to do it. And I, I'm not necessarily Mr. Bold, but I had never seen anything like that. I, I didn't know that you could just like lean into God and he could, anyway, I was like, there is no way this is happening. And that girl is not going to know that Jesus loves her. Okay. So i marched myself right into that cafeteria. And, uh, and by this time, they'd sat down at a table, and there was actually 11 of them. Uh, and I was like, hey, ladies. Name's Travis. Um, and me and some friends, they're not here with me right now, but uh, we, I promise I have friends, you know. And uh, we were out praying and uh, just felt led to come uh, come talk to you. And I, I think it was the good Baptist boy in me. I just began taking prayer requests. So I was like, does anybody have any, any prayer requests? Like, um, and I actually got a few takers. So I, I remember them still. I mean, this was over 20 years ago, but there was a grandmother uh, that, was, that was ill. There was a, a, a roommate situation that somebody shared about, and there was a test. So, you know, so we didn't go real deep, but we got some prayer requests. And, um, and so I said, well, Let's pray. And then I did the bold thing of uh, not only praying for those prayer requests, but sharing the gospel in the prayer form. You know, I don't know if you've ever done that. Like, uh, like I wasn't feeling so bold as to just preach it, but I said, and so Jesus, we thank you also that you died on the cross for our sins. And that no matter what we've done, we can turn to you and we can find like mercy in your, you know, so I'm praying this and, and, and I prayed and Lord Jesus, I just pray that every single one of these girls would know that you love them that Jesus, you love them. And I'm like looking up at this one girl in the Wisconsin sweatshirt. And so that was about it. I'm like, okay, bye. You know, I, did, I didn't know what to do. Still believing that the girl in the Wisconsin sweatshirt, his life has been forever changed. But, but what, what happened to me that night was something got lit in me for, for living missionally. Not just going on mission trips, 
which we value and which teaches us how to live Michelin. God uses to ignite things in us and birth things in us. But it was something new that God was teaching me about leaning into his grace for a moment and leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit to, to lead us, to, to lean into listening, uh, to saying, God, is there anybody? Because, you know, he has more compassion than I have, than you have. He sees the things that we don't see. He knew that the girl in the Wisconsin t-shirt, sweatshirt uh, needed to know that she was loved by Jesus. Uh, and, and so we lean into those things and, and we recognize that we have a, a missional calling in our life uh, to lean into the grace of God and to be one of those reliable people that passes on what we've received. We pass on what we've received. And, and so we, we lean into that as one who has been enlisted. What, one who has been enlisted to be a, a soldier. Actually, there, there's um, something that uh, God's prompted us to do to really keep this before us. You may be aware of what we've always uh, called our life group wall and probably we'll go back to being a life group wall at some point. It's where it's the map on, on the wall just in the lobby right here that where we regularly have all the life groups uh, posted where they are so you can find one uh, that's near you. Um, well, we felt led by the Lord to, to change that to make that kind of a missional prayer wall, if you will. And, and so all the life groups that have been, have been taken down and what you're gonna find out there is three different kind of translucent, is that the right word, circles. Um, there's, there's three different colors. And, uh, and one will represent uh, a person's home, their neighborhood where they live. One will represent a workplace where, where they work and, and interact with others in that way. And then one will represent uh, school, if you're in school or for kids where they, where they go to school. And uh, the vision that we, that we feel like God's given us is to understand that God has placed us in different places in, in our city and that there is a missional calling that we have uh, wherever we live, whoever we are, wherever we work, whatever stage of life that we're in. And what I believe is going to happen is there's going to be something powerful as we begin to see that wall fill up. And a lot of these are going to overlap. Some of you live close together, work close together. I guess on some of the schools, there's going to be a whole stack of them. I don't know. Uh, but but there's going to there's be this wall that begins to fill up, that begins to, to show us, I believe, what will be showing us the effectiveness of the missional call of God. That, that we, we might not have the, uh, the Billy Graham anointing to preach to thousands and everybody getting saved and all this kind of thing and these crusades, but we have been called to have an impact right where we live with the people that live all around us, that there are people in need that need to see you live your life on mission, that need to see your faith, that need to see that you care, to receive encouragement from you. Uh, the, there are neighborhoods that we need to be praying for, workplaces that we need to be interceding for, for the people that, that, that work and live around us. And so uh, I wanna encourage you today after the service, and maybe a little mobbed, if you need to do it next week, that's fine. Um, it's gonna be up for a good little while here where we're we're just going to say, God, fill up this, this map uh, with those that are praying for their neighborhood, that are praying for the churches, that are saying, hey, how can I, uh, how can I talk to my neighbor, invite, the, you know, those kinds of things uh, and see it fill up. Families, I would encourage you to get, before you do it, to go get your kids and bring them in on it. Let them stick one of them up there and say, hey, we're, and this, is what we're, this is what we're committing to as a family uh, because it'll influence them, but it'll also hold you accountable. I found that to be true. Like, hey, we haven't prayed for our neighborhood like we said we were going to, Dad. Like, oh, 
you're right, you know, and, and they'll remember. So bring them into it and let them be impacted by it um, because we, we really want to be committed. We want to re-up in our commitment to be missional. You'll also find a card out there very simple. One side, it just has some ideas. Uh, you can come up with your own ideas, but just a few ideas of how to engage. How do I begin to, as I got this circle up there, how do I begin to influence and impact that circle? What, what would that look like for me? And on the other side, what you're going to find is the, uh, an example of like the include me prayer. I've mentioned this before, but, but I think that there's something about it that, that God wants to, to to cause to take root in us in this season. And I, I, love, I, I love the heart behind the include me prayer. It's, it's simply what it says that it is. God, would you include me? So, it's, you know, this has got more words than that. You don't, that's really it. God, would you include me in what you're doing today? And, and, and it kind of takes the pressure off of like, wait a second, am I supposed to go prayer walking and pray over people or talk to random people in the cafeteria? Do I have to do all of that? I mean, if God leads you, there's something that's really exciting about that, but, but, but that's, not, that's not the aim. It's not to, to replicate something else. It's not to have this feeling of like, okay, I, I feel like I should do this or I ought to do this, but I think there's something about even the language of God, would you just include me, that hits us all. I want to be included in what God's doing. You know, whatever I have to offer, whatever I have to give, and some of us will have different gifts. Some of us will feel more comfortable doing this or that. But, but if, the prayer, if there's a genuine prayer of a person with a heart that is soft before the Lord, that says, God, would you just include me in what you're doing today? Would you open my eyes to see what you're doing and allow me to play a part in that? God's looking for that. Can I just say that? God is looking for that. And he's a good father. He doesn't throw us in the deep end and like, okay, yep, so I want you to stand up at, in, the, in the lunchroom at your school today on the, on the table and just preach the gospel. And I've got this message for you from Romans 6, you know, that I want you to, that's probably not where you'll start, you know, and, and, but we, we trust, he's a good father, right? And, and he leads us into that and he, he wants to include us. He wants to put his arm around and say, yeah, walk with me in this. And so we, we have those out there would encourage you to, to take that and to really let that be the, the way that we enter into this idea of living missionally in the, in the world around us. God, would you just include me in what you're doing? Because he's already working. He's already moving. He, he's already stirring things in people's hearts. There's questions that they're asking. They would never show it maybe to you. They would try to look in a, in a certain way and posture themselves. But God is already at work in those places there, there's hurt and pain that are, is already happening. And God's just looking for people that would say, hey, God, I'm here. Would you include me in what you're doing? Because in his vast superior wisdom, that's the way he's chosen to minister and to show his love to the world around us is so often to partner with us. And so we're saying, God, would we be those reliable people who say, include me in what you're doing? We want to be a part of what you're doing. Well, this last verse as we finish up here, describes real briefly the, the, this, the mindset of the soldier. And it says this, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. I think there's sort of an inventory that we want to begin by taking. 
This, this kind of phrase, civilian affairs, is, is one that uh, I want us to allow to, to really impact us. What, what does that mean? What, is, what does that look like? How does that take shape in my life? So that I can avoid getting entangled in those things. What, what, is, what does it look like when we think about worldly pursuits, worldly pleasures or comforts, worldly arguments and things that we entertain or we allow to take up so much space in our mind? How are we interacting with the, the world around us? Is it, uh, with a, is it in, in a place of entanglement where really we're getting sucked in and we're like getting riled up and uh, we're getting angry or we're getting depressed or we're getting fearful and we're getting caught up in those kind of things or we're trying to remove ourselves from it all together because we just want to be, be uh, pleasurable and peaceful? What, what, is that, what does that look like for us? And what are the things and what are the ways that we so easily get entangled in civilian affairs? And, and here's the opposite. And I think this helps us to understand it. Rather than being caught up in what is pleasing to our commanding officer or to the one who enlisted us, and, and that mindset is different than maybe what we would originally think of as the mindset of a soldier. A soldier that's just trying to do, do their duty, that's trying to just like, okay, this is what, I, what I'm supposed to do and I'm gonna do it today as dutifully as I can. But this is say, saying something more. This is, something, this is saying something more about the commanding officer, the one who's been enlisted, where, where the soldier is saying, I'm here for them. And for, for them and for the expansion of their kingdom. Because Jesus is a king and he has a kingdom. And it's a kingdom that will never fail. It's a kingdom whose dominion will, will know no end. It's not a passing kingdom. It is a kingdom that will go on for all of eternity. And we have been enlisted into this army of the king. And we are aiming to please the one who has enlisted us. And so is it that we are stirred by the pleasure of the king? In Hebrews eleven six, it says that it's actually impossible to please God without faith. And so there, there's a starting place for us there of how to understand bringing pleasure to the king and we understand that it requires faith. And so there, there's a further examination here, not only of like, okay, are there things that entangle me, the civilian affairs that I get, that I get distracted by, but another way to think of it that'll help to enhance our understanding is, what is it that brings pleasure to the king? And if that's faith, how am I exhibiting faith? And I have that question for us today. How, how do I daily exhibit faith? Is there faith that is daily expressed in my life? Not that I have a faith uh, or I have professed my faith in, in Jesus and, and, and that is a, an element of faith. I believe God and I believe that he's real and I believe that, that uh, he, is, he is for me and that he has saved me. But is there an expressed, is there an expression of that faith? in the way that we live? Are there things that we're doing in life that require faith? Or have, have we allowed faith to grow dormant within us? Are there things that we have given away by faith? 
I, I love the story of Peter and John when they, they're approached by, or when they come across a, a person begging at the city gate and, uh, and they're, they're asking for, for coins, for money, and uh, they say, silver and gold, we don't have any of that, but what we have, we give to you. And so do you know that you, you have something The question is, do you know you have it and do you know how to give it away? Do you know that when you give it away, it's powerful and it's effective and it is the the answer to to what people are asking and it's the hope that they're needing. And so we we need to recognize it a little more that there's something that we we possess that that Paul and John there, they understood there's something that we have to give to this person. It may not be the thing that they're outwardly asking for right now, but it is the thing that they need. And so there's something that we have to give away. There's an expression of faith in the way that we would give something away. What I wanna make sure of is that my faith doesn't only come out when necessary. Oh man, I, I gotta... I gotta get my faith going for this one. I'm in a tough spot. Or this is a big goal. But that we actually pull out faith every day because we're looking for ways to express it so that we might please the commanding officer. I want us to start thinking about faith a little differently. Not just something that you pull out when you need it. Okay, well, we gotta have faith for this one, brother. It's... It's like, no, I pull out faith every morning I, and I use it as a way to please the king. Would you include me today? Is there a way I can step out in faith today? Because I long to please the king. I live. I mean, how many of us could say, I live for the pleasure of the king? Or do we live for our own pleasures? Are there, are there worldly pursuits that we've become overly entangled and they may not be sinful in and of themselves, but we can say we've been entangled by those things. That's the things I think about. That's the things I worry about. That's the things I, I wake up. And, and, and if I'm talking to God, I'm talking to him about those things. And, and would you get me through that? And would you help me with that? And would you make, rather than I'm waking up and my, my every pursuit the only thing I'm entangled in is the pleasure of the king. What could bring him pleasure today? What could, how could I bring him glory in my life? How many of us are, are waking up and living our days in, in that place? I think that's what it's talking about here. You've been enlisted and we are a people that don't get entangled in the things of this world, but we, we wake up to, and we're, we're living. We recognize that we're alive to be pleasing to him. And so, Lord Jesus, would you, would you capture us? Would you enrapture us this morning with your glory, with your beauty, with your worthiness, that this isn't just about living on mission because that's what we're supposed to do as a good, dutiful soldier, but no, as a soldier of the King, our only duty is to be caught up in who you are. Because when we see you for who you are, then our, our only desire would be to please you to live for the pleasure of the King. So Lord, right now, we just confess in any way that any one of us needs to confess that we have been entangled in civilian affairs. 
in worldly pursuits, worldly pleasures, worldly arguments. And we want to be set free. We want to be a people who live for the pleasure of our King, who has given us everything, who is all that we need. And I pray, Lord, that that pleasure would be the very thing that fuels the mission where truly our cry is just use me, not like, okay, what do I have to do? What should I do today? I feel bad I haven't been doing that. No, we start in the presence of the King. And we see Him for who He is, and we long to worship Him. We long to express faith that would be pleasing to Him. And so we say, how would you include me today, God? How could I be included? Is there some small part I could play in your great story to redeem mankind? I want to invite you to stand with me, and I want to invite you to respond. And, and, and um, I don't know if this is exactly the way it's going to work out, but the as we were worshiping this morning, I, I saw some of our young people leading the way in this. I saw high school students, some middle schoolers, college students and young adults that were just saying like, hey, I wanna give the best years of my, if you're talking about enlisting and you're, there's a mission, like I give you my youth, I give you my vibrancy, I, I give you my time and my talents, I, I give you my, my energy and I just see some of you leading the way in that. See some of you stepping out and and leading us, and then there, there's families that are saying, "Man, it's it, I, I want in on this, and I want to bring my kids in on this. That there is a way of living for the pleasure of the King that that we've not fully entered into, but I I'm I'm signing up for that. I feel Him enlisting me this morning, calling me into that." And I believe there's families that are going to respond and there's going to be some empty nesters in the room and just saying, man, I, I, I'm encouraged by the way the youth are responding and I'm going to respond and say, it's not too late for me. There's more that I have to give and that, that there's going to be a response. And so I just want to invite you now, if there's something stirring in you, just this new kind of place of enlistment of saying, I want to live for the pleasure of the king. If there's a place of repentance of saying, I'm, I'm going to be unentangled with the worldly affairs, civilian affairs, I just want you to begin responding. It's kind of like the, I'm, I'm coming up, sign me up again. I'm, I'm moving out of my seat. I'm moving out of that which is comfortable and I'm moving into the thing that God's calling me to. And I believe that that's the thing that God is doing that he's going to be calling us into this new place of walking with him missionally that comes from the desire to express faith that would be pleasing to him. And so if that's you, you can begin just responding right now. I also wanna invite our ministry team to come on up here and they're gonna be around kind of in the sides a little bit, but maybe up the sides. Um, and if you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray for you. We love to pray for the thing that that's, that's you're struggling with. Maybe you're saying like, I, I want to enlist in that way, but I feel so entangled, I don't even know where to begin. 
begin by stepping up and letting one of these guys pray for you. We believe that God answers prayer. We believe that God has called us the, the family of, of God because we get in each other's boats and we war for each other, carrying one another's burdens. And so if you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. And if for the very first time you're hearing about this God who loves you and who has purpose for you and calls you to, into his kingdom and you wanna know more, how can I know him? How can I walk with him? We'd love to talk with you about how to have a relationship with Jesus. And so if that's you this morning, don't hesitate to come, but let every single one of us not leave this place without responding to God.